0: Hello, and welcome again to a Beatles show that we call Things We Said Today. This is a weekly talk show in which we talk about all things Beatles, anything about their past, anything going on today, really any topic concerning the Beatles, we will cover here on this show. I'm Ken Michaels. I'm one of the co-hosts for the program. Some of you might know my other Beatles program that I host called Every Little Thing. It's a syndicated Beatles show around the country. And I'm being joined by my regular co-hosts on the show, the writer for Beatles Examiner and many other Examiner columns, that being Steve Marinucci. Hi, Steve.
1: Hi, Ken. Uh, hello, everyone.
0: We also have one of the writers for Beatle Fan Magazine, Al Sussman. Hi, Al.
1: Hi, Ken. Hello there,
2: everybody.
0: And we've got our musicologist and freelance writer and also a writer for Beatle Fan, Alan Kozen, to join us. Hi, Alan.
2: Hello, Ken and Steve and Al and everybody.
0: On the program this time out, we're going to be doing an overview of the American Beatles albums on uh, Capitol Records. And you might recall going back several shows, we did our own review talking about the With the Beatles album, and we also related that to the American albums of the time and the overlap between the albums like uh, Meet the Beatles and, and uh, the Beatles' second album. This is more, we're going to be talking about in general, all of the American albums from, say, Meet the Beatles through Revolver, the American Revolver. And if the guys want to talk about it as well, the differences in Magical Mystery Tour between the British EP and the and the album that resulted from that. Also, if you even want to bring up the Hey Jude album. But in general, it's just uh, us talking about the American albums and what my main question to ask all three of you, and this is really, you know, the... The focus of this conversation is that here we are, it's 2015, these albums came out in the 60s, and we all grew up on these albums first. It was really only later that we discovered the British albums, and then once the CDs came out, it was all the British albums, the way the Beatles released it in England. But we all have some affection for these old albums that we grew up with, at least I think all of us do. What kind of value do these albums still hold for us now? Do they still have any kind of creative value, or is it more just an emotional connection that we all have to these albums? Are there specific albums that you can point to where you can say, well, I like Beatles 6 for this reason, or I like the early Beatles more for this reason? We're going to be talking about a hodgepodge of all these things, and I thought we'd start by talking to, let's start with Al. How do you feel in general when you look back at the American albums? Do they still hold a place for you of any importance? They still they they
3: still hold uh, certainly from
0: a sentimental point of view.
3: Uh, they still hold a great deal of importance because I'm you know fortunately I'm of an age where I experienced these records being released in you know in their time. So just from a sentimental point of view, but also there are different albums that I think it's a, a different listening experience. We, in fact, we talked about this in the With the Beatles show, that Meet the Beatles is kind of a different listening experience from simply, from strictly the With the Beatles Parlophone album. And it was at that moment the perfect vehicle to To help to at least help uh, break the Beatles uh, in America because it was a, it was such a strong album, and that it had uh, you know uh, except for "Till There Was You," every song on it was either a Lennon-McCartney or George Harrison song. Also, mm. Rubber Soul uh, is kind of a different listening experience uh, when you hit, listen to the American album because of the fact that two of the tracks from side two of the British help album. Uh, it's only love. And I've just seen a face lead off each side and 1965 being the year of folk rock. It, they kind of give the album, the American album a little bit more of a folky tinge uh, all, mm-hmm. ironically, because two of the, uh, the tracks that were left off, the American version, were two very folk rockish uh, tracks, and If I Needed Someone and, of course, Nowhere Man. So it's that kind of thing. Uh, the, the real kind of hodgepodges are, uh, are Beatles 6 and Yesterday and Today because of the fact that there, the material on those two albums was recorded over the space of about a year. So they're you know stylistic, it's stylistically it's very uneven, <laughs> especially yesterday and today so mm. so it's so it really it, it it from a uh from a musical standpoint, it's kind of an individual call on whether a particular album really can still stand alone musically as part of the Beatles' Canon.
0: Well, do you think that artistically these albums do hold up? Because, you know, I've said this before, and and you you may think that I'm just tossing the Beatles music aside here. But Mm -hmm. I just happen to think that the music was so strong, Mm -hmm. you could have thrown together any 12 songs, any 11 songs. The American public would have adapted to it and heard those songs in that sequence and gotten used to it. Sure. So you think that there was some thought put behind the songs other than Meet the Beatles, where... You know, it was intentional yes. that all the songs except for Till There Was You were were original compositions. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there was thought put behind the sequencing of uh, the American albums? Not
3: much when you consider the the people involved in putting together the American albums, most notably of course the, the dreaded Dave Dexter. Uh, who was responsible for so much of the, you know, the bad sound on the Beatles second album, and to a lesser extent something new and Beatles sixty five? So I don't think a whole lot of um, care was really, especially you know, Beatles Beatles sixty five is another kind of kind of hodgepodge in that it's only about half of the British Beatles for Sale album plus. Uh, duophonic versions of I Feel Fine and She's a Woman Uh, and I'll Mm. Be Back, another stray from a British, a previously released British LP, A Hard Day's Night so I think it was just a matter of getting enough material to put out an album because that was especially capital they were very much uh, very conscious of having their major artists release two or three albums a year in those days you know, that was one of the one of one of the things that led to Brian Wilson's um, nervous breakdown was the fact was the demands from capital for new product, new product, new product. You know, I mean, the, the mere mm. fact that the Beach Boys today was released only a couple of months after he had that nervous breakdown uh, is kind of uh, is very revealing in that way.
0: Right. Alan, how about you? Do you do you look back at the American albums as having artistic value? of any kind, or, or is it more just the fact you grew up with them and you're emotionally tied to them?
2: Um, I, you know, in terms of artistic value, I kind of agree with what you said. If you took any 12, 12 Beatles songs and put them together, there, there would be an inherent artistic value. Having said that, I've really gone back and forth a lot over the years about the whole question of the american albums um as a kid obviously that's what i listened to but um i mean i remember finding import shops in greenwich village and seeing the british ones and saying hey what's going on here and then finally when i was in college i i had you know enough money to actually buy some of these things and and from then on really began listening mostly to the british albums and not to the American albums at all, partly because of the sequences, partly because of the sound. You know, if you grew up listening to Beatles '65, and which is you know lathered over with reverb and in, in some mm-hmm. tracks, and uh, and then you go to the British one, suddenly it sounds so clean. And also, I began thinking in terms of okay, you know, we have to we have to recognize that these are the albums the Beatles made. You know, these are the sequences that they wanted, the British ones, and that they complained, Um, you know, in Beatles Monthly magazine and um, I think on a couple of tour stops uh, at press conferences, they complained about the American album. So we know that they didn't kind of like it. Nevertheless, you know, I really like the American Rubber Soul um, for the reasons mm-hmm. that Al said, I mean opening an album with i 've just seen a face I think is fantastic, and I think it makes you mm. think of i've just seen a face in a completely different way than when it 's stuck in the middle of Side Two of Hell in the middle of side two of help it's pretty much like a throwaway as the opening of rubber soul it's an album opener with that incredible guitar intro you know it, it's it, it really comes into its own and it's only love too you know it, it it has a much better effect i think opening uh side of rubber soul side two um you know um I guess the fact that we were missing some songs wasn't a good thing. But on a couple of those hodgepodge albums, as as Al said, Beatles 6 and Yesterday and Today, we actually got some songs before the Brits did. Um, On Beatles 6, um, Bad Boy was actually recorded specifically because Capitol wanted to put out an album and was short. So they said sent us something and they recorded Bad Boy, sent it over to Capitol for Beatles Six, and it didn't come out in Britain until a collection of oldies at the end of nineteen sixty six.
0: That's and, amazing to itself. Yeah. You know, that, that's a long gap there between Beatles Six and a collection of Beatle Oldies. That's like mm-hmm. a year and a half.
2: Right. Yep. <laughs> and we got that's three tracks innate. we got three tracks from Revolver. You know, everyone talks about the American Revolver being, you know, totally pointless because it's missing three tracks. And and I Kind of agree. It, it is pointless. I mean, a, a different a different track order is one thing. Different, you know, songs interpolated is one thing. But simply the same album missing three tracks, not that interesting. But we got those three tracks months before the British listeners did because they were on Yesterday and Today. Mm-hmm. I'm only sleeping, you know. So yeah, you know, I think the fact is the Beatles didn't like these. Americans once they knew what was going on had mixed feelings about them. but the fact is the history is the history and the history is that in America this is how they came out and this is what we heard and this is what shaped our ideas about the Beatles and I think they're I think they're important in that way you know I mean I just moved and I've been reshelving my records and obviously you know I've got I have way too many of them, but, you know, I've got the British mono and the British stereo, and I and I reshelve those, and okay, those are what they are, and then I got to, you know, American mono, American stereo, American reissues on Apple, American reissues on Capitol, but with different catalog numbers, and I've got the whole set many, many times. Sadly, my turntable isn't set up yet, but I was dying to play some of these. And and that was before we even decided this was going to be our topic today. So, you know, there's (laughs) definitely an appeal (laughs) that those albums have. I had I said that I, I'd stopped listening to them, you know, when I got to college and got the British ones, and and didn't start listening to them again really until the CD versions came out in like what 2004 and 2006 of the first couple of bunches, and hearing them again, it maybe it was nostalgia, I don't know, but hearing them again really brought back a sense of the value of these albums to me, a a sense of how much fun they were to listen to. And I I am kind of fond of them. I mean, chances are if I'm going to play rubber soul, I'll probably play the British one now, but I still think very fondly of the American one.
3: What I was going Mm. to say was I imagine with all of those English and American albums, you've also probably got a fair amount of the French albums and the Italian albums Mm -hmm. and, the albums from Australia. So it wasn't just America that was putting out albums with weird combinations
2: of songs. That's right. That's right. And also... You know, sometimes the album was the same, but the cover was different. Or Mm -hmm. Hard Day's Night in Portugal was Os Reis de Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Mm. (laughs) The Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot of those too. But, you know, you're right. I mean, what you say, I mean, Australia put out a number of compilations that are unlike any American or British compilations. You know, and on top of that, you sort of, as a collector, had to get them because. An Australian album was for a long time the only place you could get She's a Woman in real stereo Um, Mm -hmm. and some other things. The Japanese, I mean, you know, we all know about the Japanese. Mm -hmm. The Japanese put out all the British albums, all the American albums, all of the German, Italian, Dutch, etc. compilations that weren't the same worldwide. And then they had a few of their own. And they also put out the
1: EPs too. Uh, they put out zillions of EPs.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in spectacularly clean pressings too. So, so those re- are things to search for.
1: I remember, the, I remember the one uh, EP because I, I, I remember buying it was the, uh, the Help one with "I'm Down in Stereo." In stereo, true stereo. I mean, oh, that was right. that was quite a revelation. I would, I just, mm-hmm. I listened to that over and over and over
2: again. It was great. Mm-hmm. And a lyric, and lyric sheets translated, literated by. Um, someone who didn't quite grasp it so that in that in that same EP they had Dizzy Miss Lizzie and the lyrics were come on give me baby
1: (laughs) (laughs) I noticed they didn't do that with the with the Japan box they for some reason neglected (laughs) to do that but oh well
0: Steve what is your take on the American albums
1: having I mean having uh, seen them one by one as they came out in 64 and looking at them now, I mean, you really, I've gone, like Alan, I've gone back and forth on them. Um, I mean, looking back, looking at them as a group now, you could see that Capitol really just thought of them as product. They, there really wasn't much artistic thinking, it's, it would seem, to them because of the the advertising, the way they advertised the Beatles on all the albums and Meet the Beatles is the first album by Eng- England's Phenomenal Pop Combo. The second one says electrifying big beat performances by England's Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. I mean, they're basically they have ad, ads on all of them, and it's mm-hmm. and, it, and it kind of cheapens them out a little bit. Not to mention the 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 thinking. For example, you know, like on something new where they have the six songs on side one and the and the hard and the Hard Day's Night songs crammed together without the instrumentals on side too. Nobody even mentioned the Beatles story, which I think is you really have to throw in there. As, oh, sure. As part of that, because for one, nobody, you know, that was, we were the only ones to get that. And as much as it was also the first place where you could find the clip from Hollywood Bowl. Yes. And, but, you know, I mean, as much as... Uh, it was it was uh, it was obviously an answer to the the VJ disc, but I mean it it basically I mean that was it, it, basically Capital just looked at these albums as ways to to make money, not, not even to think about the fact that they they made more albums, but they they were just put out there basically just to advertise the Beatles. They knew what they had. They knew they could make a lot of money off of them, and that's what they and that's basically what they did. In a couple of instances. Mm-hmm. They did get it right. The Rubber Soul album is is great, you know, and it, and I remember that listening to that now um, versus listening to the UK version. It's hard for me to listen to the UK version and and you know kind of and and go along with that because the the uh, American version was so good. I also like Meet the Beatles, especially in the original uh, mixes, which of course aren't aren't on the versions they put out in the U.S. box, but even the the order in the US box uh is better to listen to to me than the with the Beatles was cuz every time I used to listen with the Beatles I used to hear the meet the Beatles comp you know the meet the Beatles track order because that's what I remember um so I think I think meet the Beatles is probably one of the few uh hacked down versions that actually gets gets by you know, Beetle sixty five is, is okay. Beetle sixty five is okay. Beetle six actually does sound really good. Um, does stand up. Uh, early Beatles does not because it's basically a take off on introducing. Help is um, is okay, but again, they you know they did all the instrumental versions like they did with a hard day's night. Yesterday and today, I really don't give much thought to it at all because the Way they, they mixed everything up on that, and that was just basically kind of a throwaway. And then, and, and again, we don't even mention the Hey Jude album, which I think everybody just kind of throws you know, just kind of skips over anyway. But you know, basically, when they came out, they were instrument, they were product, but I think over the years, especially after the Capitol version boxes were released, everybody kind of took a different look at them and realized that you know, that these albums were something they were actually very fond of. I remember on the Abbey Road site, I brought up the question years before they put out the boxes of whether or not they should release the albums at a time when there was absolutely no thought to it. And the response from people was incredible. Everybody, it was, you know, the majority of people who responded really wanted those American albums to come out and uh, you know and i don't know whether that had anything to do with what happened eventually but i mean the fact that the response was there was was quite amazing and i remember a uh, a debate i i hosted on the site between bruce spiser and martin lewis spiser of course wanted the albums out lewis did not and so that was kind of that was kind of interesting too but you know i i i think now with the capital boxes, with the capital versions boxes, and the U.S. box, I think you have to give some credit to the the U.S. albums for what they did, for being part of the culture for for uh, everybody to grow up with. Uh, I think uh, if you're, I think British, the British aren't going to do, aren't going to go along with that at all. I don't think, you know, I mean they've got the the U.K. albums the way they were originally intended, the way the Beatles wanted them to sound. And I think they'll stick with that, and, and you can you can understand that. But I think for Americans, I think there's definitely – there's been a, a shift in attitudes. Whereas they were originally a uh, commercial product, I think now it's uh, – I think there's a lot more love going towards those albums.
3: And also Same. one thing – I mean you mentioned Hey Jude, and you have to remember that at the time it came out, early in 1970 – most of the tracks on that album had not been released on on an LP.
1: Right. That's a good. You know, yeah. Other yeah. than,
3: I think, the two from A Hard Day's Night, uh, everything else uh, had only been on singles. Right. So
1: so it was, so that
3: was kind of at that at that moment in time, it was a big deal to have a, a stereo version of Hey Jude. You know,
1: and actually, you know, we didn't. We're, I mean, talking about the uh, U.S. albums, we don't talk about rock and roll music. We don't talk about love songs. Um, I mean, I have.
0: That's a whole other category well, altogether. That might be a separate
1: <laughs> discussion. Well, true, but
0: we should save that for another well, show. True, really, but, I mean, there's still
1: there's still knockoffs, in other words, and and I think and and actually, rock and roll music is something I listen to now. Um, I think it's, I think it's a great compilation. Um, and I'm, I'm only sorry that they haven't gone ahead and put that one on CD. Maybe they, who knows, maybe they will at some point, but, but anyway, there, there you go.
0: Well, I kind of agree with just about everything the three of you have said. I mean, uh, I agree about Rubber Soul. I think uh, it really is a wonderful album, the American version, although I'm probably always going to prefer the British because I'm so used to it now. Ever Mm -hmm. since the CDs came out in 1987, I've rarely gone back to the American albums. But yeah, it does have more of a folk feel, the American uh, Rubber Soul album. And yes, I mean, I've Just Seen A Face is a perfect album opener. And still, to this day, despite listening to the CDs, since 1987 any time i hear i've just seen a face my ears immediately think of norwegian wood after that because mm-hmm. it's so ingrained in me same thing with it's only love i i hear girl right after it and that's got to tell you something mm-hmm. it must it must say that there's a fondness that you have for the sequencing of those songs and certainly meet the beatles was the perfect album to introduce to to the us because um you know it was uh, you know a great collection of original songs except till that was you but um and every Beatle had a vocal on it you know you still had um ringo with i want to be your man on there and george with uh, don't bother me but um you know for the most part i still i'm of the opinion of you got to listen to them the way they came out in england because that's the way the beatles intended it and not only that when you listen to the beatles music chronologically as they released it in england you hear the development the way it was happening in the band. Sometimes when you throw together songs and you, you release them in, in America a little bit earlier, you're not hearing it in the same order as the way the Beatles did it. It makes a lot more sense, and you can see the progression of the band even more as you listen to the British albums and the singles. And I think um, certainly with with what's happened in, I can't even say recent years anymore because it's more like, since the Beatles CDs came out, Revolver has just, it, it's grown so much in stature. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the fact that the British album has the three extra Lennon songs on it and it makes it a much fuller album, a much more balanced album. And you can see what a great leap creatively the Beatles were taking from Rubber Soul to Revolver so much better when you're listening to the British album. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not taking anything away from the American one. It was still great, the mm-hmm. American one. But once you add three extra songs, there's a huge difference there. Once you add I'm Only Sleeping and your are singing and Dr. Robert, that's three great songs there to add to 11 songs. So I think uh, in general, that's part of the reason why Revolver has gotten so much more respect now. And in, in some surveys, Revolver is ranked not only as the Beatles' best album of all time, but the best album of all time by anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, that's part of the reason, not all of it. So I think Revolver kind of suffered from the American release in that regard. But Mm. I also know growing up with these American albums as a little kid, I had an affection for them, too. I love the songs and the orders they came in on those albums. I've also noticed a lot of people respect the Beatles' second album a lot. And I think when you listen to the album, uh, it could be because that album in, in particular really rocks. Uh-huh. All the songs on that album really are very up tempo songs for the most part, so I doubt anything was really done intentionally there. It could have been but um if if you love the Beatles for their rock and roll, the Beatles' second album really stands out a lot because every song from start to finish is for the most part up tempo and and really cooks yeah
3: <laughs> uh that's probably because of the fact that the the songs that were left over from with the Beatles were the covers. Which were, you know, predominantly up tempo. Plus, you have "She Loves You" and and uh, and "I'll Get You," uh, and also uh, you can't yeah. do that.
0: Thank you, girl. Right is on That's there one of as well. So, there.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I call your name. So, yeah, it is a very uptempo album, although <laughs> for me, and not to get into that whole debate again, but for me, the, you know, the version that came out last year in the box uh, is much more listenable because I just have never liked the, you know, the original Dave Dexter mixes on the the original 64 album.
0: Right. But that's... And and the songs, yeah, the songs on the Beatles second album. There was also "Thank You, Girl," yes, which to me is you know a great original song. It's a lot of stuff that turned turned up on, on singles or EPs. Yes,
3: exactly.
0: You know, Long Tall Sally," yeah. for example. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a great collection. If I look uh-huh. at that, just looking at the selection of songs, although I could say that about every Beatles album. Yeah, but if you what? look at the Beatles second album, it's just there's, you know, they're great rockers on the, the, the Beatles second album. It's just a great rockin album. Yeah. <laughs> and I have some affection for something new, in part because I just love any time at all. It's one of my favorite of the early Beatles songs. And to have that back to back with When I Get Home. So, you know, of course, now I'm thinking it's all A Hard Day's Night from the British album. Mm-hmm. But I love the sequencing of those songs, too. And and to tell you the truth, I never had a problem with the instrumental music on A Hard Day's Night and Help. If anything, I love listening to that, and it made me anticipate the Beatles songs even more. Wow. So, And I think those songs worked very well in the movies. I, I'm sure most people would rather have an album of pure Beatles recordings. But I, I like the fact that the American ones had... All that instrumental music.
3: I think, like the average fan, probably was uh, more receptive to the George Martin instrumentals on uh, on the Hard Days Night album, especially Ringo's mm. theme, uh, than the Ken Thorne uh, pieces that were in Help, because they were a little a little strange, you know, going from Wagner to, to sitar, a sitar rendition of A Hard Day's Night to some other kind of relatively strange for the time sounding uh, soundtrack music uh, that, you know, Alan might be able to address more knowledgeably. <laughs> it was, it's, it's not quite the listening experience that um, uh, that the Hard Day's Night album is.
0: How do you guys feel about Magical Mystery Tour? Because we're so used to the album now, and that's the way universally it's been accepted. But originally it was an EP with just the songs in the film, mm-hmm. as opposed to what it became, adding the singles from 1967, which I thought overall was a very wise decision. But then again, if I'm thinking we have to listen to it the way the Beatles uh, released it, then, you know, am I thinking, should I only be going the way the Beatles intended? But it's How not do you so feel different. About
2: that? It's not so different from what the Beatles released. I mean, side one mm-hmm. of Magical Mystery Tour is the EP. Right. And yeah. side two right. are the singles that came out not too distant from Magical Mystery Tour. I, I think the fact that um, EMI adopted Magical Mystery Tour for the CD releases and, you know, they put it out as an album. Originally, I guess that was in 76, I think, finally, Mm -hmm. uh, in England. I I think there is a recognition there um, that officially that was a good idea because it wasn't mucked about with much. It was just the EP on one side, singles on the other. And, you know, not to mention, look at those singles. I mean, Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane. All you need is love, baby. Or rich man. Hello, goodbye. I mean, it's it's just an incredible album, really. From it, from yeah, from their best period in a way. Was you know? it that
1: late, mm-hmm. Alan? Was it seventy six before the
2: – I think it seems. I seemed think seventy six.
3: something crazy. like that. Yeah, I it was, it was mid. It was mid seventies sometime. Okay. And the only problem mm. I ever had with the American one. Was the fact that on the the songs on side 2, they again went with the yeah. you know, sort of you know the lazy route of using duophonic versions of i think right. well, everything except uh, strawberry fields
2: right I think. yeah I remember when it, the when I got the German and played it for the first time and played it I played it for a friend who was um you know, a classical music guy um, mm-hmm. who thought that the only differences in records, were European versus American, were in classical music. I said, oh, listen I... to this. And I played Baby or a Rich Man <laughs> on both versions. Now, there is an octave of bass on the German version that is simply not heard. I mean, it is way down there uh, on the German version, not to mention the stereo placement. I mean, it really is night and day. So, Yeah. Yeah, it was what what that that's true. I mean, it, it's it's a great album, but the Capitol original side two really is kind of uh, not so good. Yeah. Sonically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And getting back to Hey Jude, Al, you were talking about the fact that they were a collection of singles, recent right. singles. But the thing that sometimes people forget is that we never had a greatest hits album in America. No. You know, we- uh, in the UK, they had a collection of Beatles oldies. Uh, but we never had any kind of a collection up to that point. So any kind of Beatle collection, I'm sure, was welcome oh, to American absolutely. fans.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. And especially, and again, especially to get stereo versions of all of those yeah. singles going back to 66 with uh, you know, right. Paperback Rider and Rain. Um, and, and it was yeah. and, and, uh, and again, uh, having a stereo version of Hey Jude and Revolution was a big deal.
2: Mm-hmm. to
3: to fans at that time.
2: I I remember the the quest for stereo versions of everything being almost all consuming. I mean, you would go get a Japanese EP for stereo. Mm -hmm. I'm down and Australian greatest hits for, um, and yet now we, we look back and we think, you know, the mono versions are really the ones that we want. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Either it's what? it's really funny because it's it's kind of almost a parallel version of this discussion we're having about American versus UK. You know, there's yeah. also mono versus stereo, and it's uh, you you can go back and forth on these things because um, actually all of these possibilities have a lot to offer one way or another.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. But do you think that the that the way that we should listen to the Beatles' music is the way that they released it? I mean. They're always going to be the purists out there that think that way. But if you're brought up differently, you'll probably have a very different opinion.
2: Yeah, I think we should listen to them however we want. You know, we could put them mm-hmm. in iTunes and put them on shuffle, you know.
1: Yeah, there you go. It's true.
2: Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. very true. It's, uh, you know, and and especially since I think also uh, some of the, you know, uh, the, you know, uh, those of us from the '60s, I think we we got attachments to certain to certain songs, the way they sounded on the American albums. Like you almost when you hear uh, "I'm Looking Through You" on the you know the Apple version of Rubber Soul, you almost miss the those two false starts.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know, just little mm-hmm. little little things like that.
1: And it was funny after the after they put out the. Uh... U.S. album. So many people were complaining about not having the Dexter mixes. I mean that that was well, that was well they did that was fun. Well, yeah,
3: well we went we went through a whole debate on that in right. the uh, the year end show. Right. And I by stand by you know what I said at the time. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any problem with uh, using using the best available audio source.
1: But it's funny that there were people that still feel that way though oh yeah
3: well, well i that- gotta tell
0: you yeah i i was very used to growing up on all the reverb and just recently i heard she's a woman being played on the radio on mm-hmm. an oldie station where they use the reverb and i said this yeah. sounds great and i can't believe i felt that way because you know ever since this the cds came out it's been the dry version mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know that we're, we're used to hearing the first time i heard she's a woman that way it seems so bare yeah. You because know, your ears are so used to hearing the reverb.
3: Mm-hmm. So I feel fine as well. I to be a, to this day, I I do prefer the the version that was uh that was that was released on the single uh in America, which you know, the 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 mix on that, the single mix was done by George Martin. So, you know, so that that I can Deal with you know with it sounding different than the version that was in England, but just again, just sentimentally, I've always preferred that one because that was the one I heard on the radio. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why I've always preferred the version of Help that uh, that was on the single, Uh, you know, because that was the you know that if you put on WABC in in August of nineteen sixty five, that was the version of Help that you heard, not the version that's on the album
1: hmm
0: hmm Right, yeah. You know, you brought up an interesting point, although it may be going a little off-topic, Alan, but you, you mentioned listening to the music of the Beatles on Shuffle, and, you know, the Beatles took a lot of time in some of their albums with the sequencing of the songs and thinking, this song leads to the next song, as opposed to mixing all the music together, which is what I do on the radio. You know, it's I'm so used to hearing... Beatle music and solo music mixed together. So that, to me, I'm so used to hearing that it goes in one ear and out the other. But you kind of lose the whole artistic direction that the Beatles were taking you in if they were always thinking about Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. After that, you got to hear Getting Better. You know, it's yeah, they were thinking about albums then. And in some ways, the whole idea of albums has, you know, at the concept of an album where you're hearing certain songs in a certain order that's fallen to the wayside in some ways
2: well sometimes i mean you know sometimes you put on sergeant pepper and sometimes you put on uh ipod shuffle and um you know it's 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 nice hearing it differently sometimes it's nice not knowing what song's going to come next and Uh saying oh yeah that one you know and it's It's also, you know, the same with, again, the stereo mono things, you know, for for a long time when I was mostly listening to the stereo versions, um, when the anniversaries came around of, say, Pepper and the White Album, I would always put on the mono ones just, you know, for the anniversary, just so that I could celebrate the anniversaries of these albums, hearing it a little bit differently than I usually heard it. Um mm. and, and mm. in a way shuffles a little like that. You know, you just 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 to have something different. I mean, we don't have to always hear the progression that the Beatles wanted us to hear. I mean, it's hey, especially us. I mean, we've heard all of these albums between seven and ten million times piece, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think yeah. we know the direction the Beatles wanted us. To. So, you know, it's uh they're also individual songs. You know, and they're, they stand up as individual songs and uh, and they're great. I mean, good to hear outtakes sometimes, too, you know. Sure. <laughs>
0: mm. Sure. Hey, there's, there's no argument for me on that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking the way that, you know, the Beatles took a lot of care into the way that they released stuff. And even going back to the whole idea about singles mm-hmm. and how singles were separate entities from albums. Mm-hmm. Although that wasn't always the case. A Hard Day's Night had two singles from it. Help had two singles from it please please me had singles from it so um but they thought of singles single from it but i'm saying the british albums the way the beatles thought of singles as being something separate where they didn't want to duplicate the same song twice but um you know here in america they just threw the songs together in any which way or uh as george harrison might say they shoved them in anywhere (laughs) (laughs) and uh and it made sense for the time but you know It's like I said, you could put together any 12 Beatles songs and we'd all get used to them in that order. Mm -hmm. So, uh,
3: And uh, Steve mentioned uh, the Beatles story. And actually, I was very glad to see that included in the box last year. Because it's a nice, you know, yes, you know, most of the material on it, you know, the the narrated material is, you know, of course, obviously hopelessly out of date. And it was, uh, half of it was taken from a teen magazine. And I think the rest was taken probably from the uh, uh, Tony Barrow, uh, you know, uh, preference lists, those, you know, those uh, likes and dislikes lists. And, but it's a nice little kind of, period piece because it was there that a lot of us were interested were introduced to the uh the hollywood strings orchestral versions mm-hmm. of beatles songs, which I've, I've always been a uh, i've always had a sop, soft spot for those plus the fact that the album was produced uh you know from a pop culture point of view you know uh, you know of a you know a music pop culture standpoint it was produced by gary usher who was one of the major figures in the uh, California music scene in the '60s, and one of the uh, narrators was Roger Christian, who co-wrote a lot of the hot rod hits mm-hmm. out of you know from the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean and some of the other California uh, groups, and unfortunately later died rather young from cancer. Uh, so it's a nice little kind of uh, period momentum momento. You know, I'm not sure uh, how you know younger a younger audience would relate to it, but it's you know it's nice it's nice to have in a in a digital form now.
1: Yeah, hmm. you know, you were talking about singles and and you know the way Capital uh, uh, threw a couple of singles on each of them. It's funny when you think about the fact that the one album, which was basically all mm-hmm. singles. Was so it it came out so popular and uh, yeah. and you know the the UK albums kind of avoided that that scene. That's kind of a, an interesting thing. Kind of just in interjecting that little that little thought there. So
3: yeah, it is uh, is a thought that that you know that the uh, you know this hugely successful album is just simply a collection of twenty seven songs that were on Beatles singles either in uh, America or England not exactly uh you know a high concept uh. mm-hmm. but it,
1: but but you know overall i think that the it really depends on your on who you are i think the the older the first generation fans who are not you know real diehards you know are the ones that probably went for the you know that saw the us albums out on cd last year and said oh this looks interesting i remember these and picked up or more likely to pick up a few i don't think the uh you know i mean outside of the people like us that have to have everything i don't think uh they held as much interest for for a good segment of the population um than uh you know than having the original re- having the remasters did I think the remasters obviously were a lot more a lot more uh uh interest uh, among people oh, yeah Absolutely. that was that was the big of the big event you know nine right. nine right but uh, but, releases. but even yeah. though even though these have remastered sound yeah. i i don't think uh i think it's basically the the uh less than diehard fans the casual more casual mm-hmm. fans that really went into these things, and that probably loved them more. But I think overall, I th- I think the U.S. album thing. I I know we talked about this a lot at the end of the year, but mm-hmm. I think the U.S. album box maybe opened up that kind of whole, you know, that whole thing again, um, and gave it gave them a little more respect than uh, than they had. I don't think Dave Dexter will ever get any respect anywhere. But,
3: no, uh, and he shouldn't. <laughs>
1: But, uh, but, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot more appreciation of them now, um, for whatever reason.
0: Do you really think that there's more appreciation for those American albums now? I mean, outside of the first generation fans. I I
1: think that uh,
3: Steve has a point. I think that maybe the, you know, sort of the casual Beatle fan may have seen, uh, things like the hard days, night soundtrack, Uh, Or Meet the Beatles or, uh, you know, in, um, uh, you know, or even, well, not Magical Mystery Tour, but certainly something like Meet the Beatles, uh, because they've been, you know, they've heard about that album for so long as you know there's this almost legendary album that was so much a part of breaking the beatles in america and uh i I thought yeah you know let me uh let me pick it up and see if it uh see if it sounds any different than you know the even if they already have with the beatles Mm -hmm. see if it see how it sounds how it falls together as a
2: complete album
0: do you think that there's more of an appreciation alan for the uh, American albums now?
2: I really don't know. I I, I don't have any... um, I haven't really talked to people about it, so I don't have any basis for, you know, having a feeling about it. But, um, you know, I think in a way there should be. Uh, I hope there is a bit more. Um, I think also maybe um, these days, uh, you know, if you look at people's discographies uh, outside the Beatles, I mean, you see millions of greatest hits albums and millions of Mm -hmm. different ways things are mixed up and mixed and matched. And, you know, from that point of view, some of these American albums are really just sort of like that. I mean, um, it's almost as if Meet the Beatles could be perceived as an early greatest hits album from a certain point of view, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and maybe people look at them that way. It's like, okay, you know, I want a Beatles album that has, I want to hold your hand and some of the other hits, but I don't necessarily want the one album. You know, Meet the Beatles is the place to go. You're not going to get it on With the Beatles. So um, I don't know. You know, it, it's simply another choice. I think people like different choices in in how they can find their music these days. So, so maybe there's an appreciation that way, but I, I'm not sure that's quite the appreciation you mean. I'd like to think that people who are in our generation and grew up with them are looking at these things and saying, okay, so this is how my, this is how my parents got to know this stuff. And it's kind of interesting because it's different than the standard now, you know, how many people are doing that? I mean, I, I don't know, probably not huge amounts.
1: Well, I, I mean, I'm, again, I'm yeah. looking at it from the point of view of somebody who was in the middle of this thing and, And I mean, not saying that you guys aren't, but I mean, uh, but but I'm I'm saying, I mean, for me, uh, Meet the Beatles will always be a cultural thing. Um, Not Mm -hmm. necessarily so much the others. In fact, definitely not really not the others, but Meet the Beatles. You know, I remember, I mean, that there there was an indelible impression for anybody that remembered February 64 and you, you know, Meet the Beatles was, was part of it. And uh, so I, I, you know, for that, album alone i think you know there's that it has a special place i think in in the heads of you know a lot of the first generation people so i think i don't know but
2: yeah but i think (laughs) the question was was whether more people are appreciating it now who aren't first generation
1: Mm, i i don't know that that the non-first generations can relate to it as as i do Mm. um and and as you as you can I, you know, I think, uh, I I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, you know, I mean, they can, they they can appreciate it, but I think in, in, in their case, I think, especially with younger fans, you know, since the, with the, the emphasis has been on the UK versions for so long, I think that's Mm kind of the thing that's going to stick in their head. And I think it's people like, like me and you, and, you know, that, that remember these things in 64 that really have the, the link to that, you know.
3: Although there are there are younger people right. who are very interested in the history
1: mm-hmm. of the group,
3: and so the fact that finally last year they could go into a store or go on to iTunes or whatever and get Meet the Beatles,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, as you know, as in that context, they, that may or a hard day's night, right. uh, uh, that may have been of you know of interest to them.
1: That might might very well. Just well, as, you know, from a players. historical point of view. Sure. I'm sure there there are there are some people that way, but I mm. think that the real interest on, on Meet the Beatles is, is the older fans that really... is still don't. primarily, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: See, I know this this could go off topic here, but in a related way, because when we talked about the Fest for Beatles fans, there's a lot of young people that are going there. They're sure. discovering the Beatles now, but I, I, I personally don't see them that interested in the history aspect right. they're more interested in the music yeah they're so just discovering casual. discovering those albums mm-hmm.
1: al you could al you can speak yeah. to that from being at the at the fest
0: yeah cuz the
3: i you know because i would say 60 maybe 70 75% of the of the the folks that now come to the fest are are definitely not part of you know my generation, you know unless they're there with their with their grandchildren, um, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's it's general. I would say to a very large extent, it's twenty, you know, teens, twenties, thirty somethings, you know, tweens, and 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 under. You know, it's overwhelmingly kids, and uh, and yeah, a lot of them are you know are not really that interested in the in the history. But, you know, there may be there may be some, you know, some who were the, the kind of nerds that, uh, you know, that I was when I was a little kid about the presidents, you know, even though uh, they were all, for the most part, history for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, you never know.
0: Yeah. I think also the mere fact that the core catalog from Please Please Me through Let It Be— is the easiest way to access the Beatles' music. Absolutely. That's how most young people are going to discover mm-hmm. it. So unless you want to dig deeper and find out about yeah. Meet the Beatles and the Beatles' second album, which is more work, you know, there may be some some younger people that will do that, but the majority of them, if we're fortunate that they will discover the Beatles, will do so with the core catalog there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. You know, there's something else that that I didn't mention before, and that is that these American albums... We should never just think of them as the albums of the 60s, because up until the fact that the CDs came out in 1987, that was the way for us to get them in America. I mean, yes, you could get imports, but those American albums and the cassettes were available, you know, from, you know, in the 70s and in the 80s. So there may be a lot of people from those generations that grew up on. The American Beatles albums too. Sure, absolutely. The uh, the uh, the second
3: and even third generation, the the kids that came of age in the eighties, uh, that's how, you know that was how they uh, well our uh, Fred Beetle fan kiddo O'Toole, who was born in nineteen seventy two, you know huh. she was in you mm-hmm. know she was introduced to uh, the uh, to the Beatles through through the Capitol albums.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, well, there, right? this raises raises another topic that. You know, I mean, this goes beyond shuffle. What do you do about cassettes and A tracks that yeah. took Capital's running order, which already wasn't the Beatles' running order, mm-hmm. and messed around with them? You know, mm-hmm. you, get, you got Sergeant Pepper with, with songs out of order. You know, oh yeah, especially um, on the A track. Yeah, yeah,
1: which which one was it that, that they actually split, split them up? Was it was it that one?
3: Yeah, the On the eight tracks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I forget which songs cause I didn't go into a tracks. And and
1: actually, but, actually, yeah. Alan, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think there's a, an a track of Hollywood bowl that splits everything up. Do you remember, huh. do you remember that?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I really don't cause I didn't collect a tracks either, but, yeah. um, <laughs> I, but I, you know, from what I've read about them of, you know, the, the track splitting in the middle of a song and mm-hmm. you know um, and the white album being completely different order pepper being in completely different order um, it's very weird so um, right. yeah i mean we're we're complaining about the or or discussing the the downside of having messed around with the Beatles' original order, but cassettes and eight tracks take it to a whole new level.
3: Yeah, right. You know, mm. I've heard people say that they uh, they still, to this day, they'll hear a particular song and they they, they still imagine there's to hear the click in the middle <laughs>
1: <laughs> as it's
3: as it's changing from one track to the next on the eight track.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. I'm glad. No, I'm glad I missed so that phenomenon. Yeah. I mean,
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we covered just about everything we could say about this uh, subject. Anybody want to add anything?
2: Nope. No. No. Nope, can't think.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think. I think. I think we, I think we right. more than covered it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. This has been great. Um, if any of you would like to get in contact with us, there's a number of ways you can do that. We have our own Facebook page at Things We Said Today. We have an email address, which is Things We Said Today Radio Show at gmail.com. And you can listen to our show in a variety of ways. You can listen to us on podbean.com. We're also heard on Fab Four Radio on the weekends on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon on Saturday, 12 noon on Sunday, 12, on Sunday, 12 midnight on Sunday. E-T, E-T, and, uh,
1: ET for those of us, eastern yes, for those of us on the West Coast.
0: <laughs> i should say that you can also hear my show every little thing right before things we said today on sunday nights at 11 p.m so uh from 11 till 1 uh you'll hear my show and then things we said today so uh if anybody would like to get in contact with you directly steve how can they um, do that you
1: can write to me at beatles examiner at com. i'm i have my own page on facebook i have a uh a news page on um uh, or a news uh, group on Facebook called Beatles news and commentary. And I want to add to the ways of listening to the show. Um, we're on YouTube. Uh, we're streaming on YouTube. We're stre- We're on iTunes. Um, and actually I did a, a little thing this week for the first time. I actually uh, uploaded the show to my YouTube channel, which is called uh, Steve Marinucci Beatles news. Um, so, we are everywhere. Um, um, oh, and also Alan Haber's Pure Pop Radio. Oh, Alan Haber. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's... Alan Haber's Pure Pop Radio at eight p.m. Eastern on Tuesday nights. So there we go. Um, but we are yeah we're everywhere. But anyway, uh, feel free to get in touch with me and and uh, I think Ken, you gave the uh, the email address for the show. Things we said today, radio show at gmail dot com. So we're all over and we'd love your suggestions and if you have a question. Send us a question and we'll see if we can get you an answer. Uh, we'll, or we'll throw, we'll throw it among the four of us and see if we come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: we'll see if we right, make sense. Here
1: we go. Here we go.
3: Al, how about you? Facebook uh, under Al Sussman. Uh, Twitter at Asus49. Uh, that's, that's, uh, and also uh, through Beetle Fan Magazine, www.BeetleFan.com. Those are probably the, uh, the easiest ways. Oh, and I should, okay. I, I, yep. I always forget this to keep, the, keep plugging the book uh, at uh, www.paradingpress.com. Uh, Changing Times 101 Days That Shape the Generation.
0: Okay. Alan, how about you?
2: Oh, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me is through Facebook, either on my Alan Cozen page or Alan Cozen Remixed. And uh, yeah.
0: And as for me, um, you mentioned Pure Pop Radio. Every Little Thing is also on that website as well. You can hear that show on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. I also want to make mention, and this is just a little complicated. Sorry, folks. But there's two versions of Every Little Thing that I do. Um, There's the syndicated version that's on Fab Four Radio and Pure Pop Radio. It's also on another website called Global Texan Chronicles, which is actually a music website based out of Germany. And you can stream it all weekend long. And anyone that listens to any of the different websites, they're probably all different shows because any radio station that signs up for every little thing... They have access to all of my shows. It's not like it's all the newest show. So um, three different ways you can listen to every little thing. And then there's a live version on WNHU in West Haven, Connecticut, which you can hear Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time at WNHU.net. And one last thing, please look at my website, KenMichaelsRadio.com. Beatles Trivia every single week. Your chance to win one of nine prizes every single week. Books, CDs, DVDs or a copy of Life with the Lions.
1: There yeah. we go. Oh, That's wow. It. <laughs> we make get a whole lot of entries for that one.
0: We can't promise you that, but we'll work on it. Anyway, so for things we said today, this is Ken Michaels being joined by Steve Marinucci, Al Sussman, and Alan Kozen saying, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.